Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Cordell Riley. It is my pleasure to welcome to the session today, Eric Bloom. Uh, Eric is with Manager Mechanics. Thank you, and thanks for having me on. So, Eric, obviously you and I got to talk a little bit and kind of prepare and know who each other are for this session, but maybe tell our audience a little bit about yourself and uh, Manager Mechanics and what you guys did. Okay. Um, as far as myself, is uh, spent almost 30 years in IT. I started when I was two. No, but uh, I spent about 30 years in IT. Uh, started as a programmer, worked my way up through the management ranks to CIO role. Uh, about uh, seven and a half years ago, during the financial meltdown, which I like to refer to it as I was given the opportunity to do new things. Always wanted my own company, and I thought that if I didn't do it then, I'd never do it. So literally, on the day out of Boston that morning when I was laid off, started writing my business plan on the train and never looked back. So as far as what the company does is we specialize in leadership, interpersonal skills and productivity training, uh, but we have an emphasis on people with an IT and a uh, technical and engineering background. However, we also do a fair amount of it because, like, for example, delegation is delegation no matter who you're managing. Uh, probably about a third of our business now is for general, general audience. You know, Eric, one of the things I was looking at, and you talked about IT, and I certainly heard that from your background and what your company does, but as I was looking at your website, one quote struck out at me, and I want to read this specifically, but you talk about evolving from merely supporting the technology needs of an enterprise to potentially driving revenue through innovative business processes. That really resonated with me as I was reading some of your material. What does that mean? And talk a little bit about that, if you wouldn't, wouldn't mind. Sure thing. The nature of IT over the years has changed. You know, when I first got in IT in, uh, well, 1980, is I was in the data processing department. Hung around for a while, I became part of MIS, Management Information Systems. Hung around a little bit longer, I ended up in IT, Information Technology. Well, God willing, I hang around for a few more years, and I'll be in BT, Business Technology. What happens is, is that IT... While certainly, you know, a little bit can be the new and exciting world of high tech, it's a business function. And there's no such thing as a technology project anymore, only business projects which require technology levels uh, type support. So what happens is, is that um, everything that's being done in IT now has to be done with a business emphasis. So, uh, for example, is, is that even the people within it, People don't want to talk features and technology and function. What they want to talk about is the benefits. Most specifically to your question is one thing that's happened in a number of firms, uh, and you're continually to see it happen, and it's because of cloud computing. So let's say, for example, that I worked inside your company and I was uh, working in IT, and I came, in, I came up with this great application for trainers. And we're using it internally, and it's going well. Then what happens is a lot of companies now are looking at the internal assets that their IT organization has built. It would be either software, or it could simply be data. And what they're looking to see is if there's external markets for that. And then what they're doing is, is that they're then productizing their internal software that they built and selling it as an external product basically giving IT, converting it from being totally a cost center into being a combination of cost and revenue. Mm -hmm. 
at a small level as an example of that is actually my company does that is uh, one advantage of being a techie when you start a company you tend to have pretty good technology so what I did was uh, we built our own e-learning platform and then a couple of two or three of the companies that I work with said gee it seems to do everything that you want how you know whose is it I said well it's mine so you know I don't actively market it as a product but the two or three companies that I work with, uh, that I've worked with, is I now let them use the platform. I productized it because I know how to do it. And uh, they use it as their e-learning platform. So, you know, it, it's not a major thrust of what my business is, but it's paying for all my IT costs and so on. So, in fact, in that case, I'm basically eating my own lunch, which is what they like about it. It works for me, something in it. I'll make a modification to make it a little bit easier. I mean, we're not competing with Saber and the major applications. It's for a small firm like mine. Uh, but that's an example of what's happening now on how things that are built within IT because of the implementation of the Internet and cloud computing, IT now can be an external revenue source for the firm. Yeah. And that is awesome, Eric, and thank you for that detail. You know, and I know you do a lot of training. We're going to kind of transition to that here in a second. But one of the things that I'm just hearing so much about, and if I just stay on training for a second, but it's not just training for the sake of training. It's training to look to drive real-world business results. And that's kind of what I heard you say from an IT perspective. It's not just IT for the sake of IT, but it's how does it link to what the business is trying to do and it's how they're trying to drive and move the business forward. So thank you for that, that detail on that. So again, Eric, I know you do a lot of training, and obviously that's kind of who our audience is today, is obviously people that are looking to enhance training inside of their system. You know, what are some of the best things that you're seeing the best trainers do out there as it relates to, uh, to the training world today? Well, you know, I really like to break that into three parts, because training is much more than when you're simply on the platform. I would say the same about speaking also. Certainly that's a very important part when you're in front of your students or participants or whatever you want to call them, is that uh, you have to do a good job up there. You have to provide value. In fact, the way I generally look at uh, it training from the platform is it's like show business. It's 90% business and 10% show. The 10, the, you know, the 10 could be bad jokes. It could be just having some fun with those you're working with. Uh, the jokes are definitely bad. I have my wife as a reference on that. But, uh, uh, but anyway, is that it keeps people engaged. Uh, the other two are marketing and and um and class preparation you know regarding the marketing the last thing you want to do is if you have a really great class to teach and be the best kept secret so you know marketing your work you know the business side of training in many cases is equally as important in some cases more important than the actual delivery of the training itself because if you're not properly prepared or you don't properly market it, then no one is going to hear the words that you have to say that could potentially enhance their performance in their career. We're so glad you're listening to this episode of Training Unleashed, brought to you by Tortal Training. The difference between Tortal Training and other online training companies is we're primarily a training company with technology rather than a technology company that does training. Want to find out more? Just go to tortal.net. That's T-O-R-T-A-L, tortal.net. So you, marketing, you know, that was one that you don't hear training professionals think or talk a lot about. Maybe just go a little bit deeper into that one, Eric. I'll tell you, Candy, that's one I'm really interested in because I know that I've done a lot of training to your point preparation, getting ready for things. But the marketing aspect, to you, I think, is really, really, really critical. Can you talk just a little bit more about that and what does that really look like uh, for, from a training perspective? 
Absolutely. And let me take it from two separate perspectives, because there's marketing done if, for example, you're a practitioner inside of a training group of a large company. And then the second type of, or let me say a different type of marketing, is that if you're in a, in a uh, training company, basically selling marketing as your company's product. Let me talk about the first one first. Uh, and what that is, is that basically is if you're within a training organization, uh, usually part of HR, or you might be, you know, a separate organization in its own within the firm. What happens is, is that uh, even there, that with the marketing in that case, what it's done is it's showing the value of the training that's being provided and offering by the IT group by basically talking to the cost center managers about it, talking to the senior executives, showing that basically is that the training that you can provide is not only in line with corporate goals, but what it what can also do is it can help the employees and the overall company meet those goals. Uh, that can be done at the corporate level or it could be done at the, uh, the individual person level. In other words, if someone becomes a project manager, for example, is one of the, the, the things that they're going to need to be able to do, or actually I'll say a few of the things that they're going to need to be able to do, is they're going to have to be able to give presentations. They're going to have to be able to lead without authority if they have dotted line resources associated with them, et cetera. So the internal training marketing is basically getting those professionals to want to sign up for your classes and in doing so getting senior management to provide the budget and quite frankly the time for people to be able to take those classes. So that's training from an internal perspective. Training from an external perspective, it's marketing like any other company. You know, is that ask anyone who is in uh, uh, heading a company of any type, certainly you have to provide, you know, world-class quality in whatever it is that you do, whether it's, you know, training, accounting services, you know, whatever it might be. But the thing is, is that you have to get the point across. You have to get people to know who you are. And marketing, I would actually expand it to be, you know, and I'm going to break up a little here the difference between marketing and sales, because people who are not in either one of those as a major profession or running a company trying to do them both, they tend to think of them as the same thing, or at least I blended them together through most of my career as, as an internal person in a firm, not in either of those functions. So the marketing is, well, things like this. You know, it's putting out blogs, it's uh, uh, speaking at conferences, it's all of those things to get yourself known. It's the selling component of it, which is a totally different skill set, is then the ability is, let's say, for example, that you were in an internal training company, uh, or an internal training function, I should say, and, you know, I would like, you know, you contact me because you saw me speaking at an ATD conference or something along that line. With that, we have to come to terms on, uh, you know, what will the price be, you know, the date, the topic, the customization, et cetera. So that's the sales component, which really is separate from the marketing, but has to be considered within the same piece. That's awesome. That is awesome information. And I love the way you I talk about the two functions, internal versus external, because I, we, we certainly see that have to get things from an external perspective adopted. And one thing I love that you talked about was getting senior management buy-in because that is one thing I hear so many training professionals internal talk about is how do I get the adoption, the, um, the internal champions at the senior level to really have a passion for training. So thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. Yeah. Eric, talk about this. I know that as you're delivering training, you do a lot of training from a classroom perspective. But I also know that you do a lot of webinars, and I'm hearing that growing more and more again. 
we also talk about making it effective. So I'd love to hear your perspective on talking about delivering webinars. How do you do that in a great way so that they are effective? So can you, can you share some thoughts on that, please? Yes, absolutely. I would say maybe a third to a half of our materials are delivered uh, via webinar, you know, the, the, the online classes. First of all, they're great from the perspective is, is I don't have to, uh, you know, get on an airplane and fly somewhere. It's also very effective from uh, the company's perspective because, first of all, they don't have to pay for me to fly there and general travel. But also, more and more companies are dispersed around, or in multiple buildings, around the state, around the world. So as a result, it saves the company the expense and the lost productivity from flying people into a single location. So because of that, the technology is better and so on, is, uh, it's really becoming a much more viable option to produce training. Now that said, is that the best practices associated with classroom are different than the best practices associated with working with a webinar. Uh, with a webinar, for example, and I'm just going to go right to the webinar piece, is that you have certain things going against you that you don't when you're in a classroom. Uh, their communication speed. There, some people have, um, uh, have voice capabilities, you know, the microphones and such. Others need to use a chat box. So the first thing I'll mention is, is right up front what I do, I ask everyone to, in, to introduce themselves. So what I can do is ascertain whether they uh, have to use the chat box. This is me typing. <laughs> uh, they have to use the chat <laughs> box to interact with me, or they have audio control. Uh, if they have audio, then it is, uh, am I getting feedback from them? So I'll say, hey, when you're not talking, please go back on mute. Is it really, um, you know, um, jumbled so you can't really hear them, sort of that electronic tone that you hear? So what I do is up front, I assess the communication between myself and them. Second of all, is, you know, as a separate, a second item is the importance of video. Now that's video for them to see me, not for me to see them. The reason is, is first of all, a lot of people feel uncomfortable on video. You know, they don't know what they have as a backdrop. Uh, you know, also that there are other things they have to be careful of if they're doing it from home, is that I always make sure when everyone comes on video, like you, your background is basically, it's neat, uh, it's a wall behind you. People who are taking classes from home have to be very careful if they're on video that their webcam isn't facing the door of their office. Because last thing in the world that you would want, for example, is their spouse walking, you know, scantily clad, you know, back and forth across the door, you know, the, you know, in the living room or whatever room happens to be behind them. So that there's things you have to be careful of regarding that to notice. Another one is, is that uh, as far as who's on video, it's important for me to be, you know, as the instructor. The reason is, is because it's like watching a TV show and there's continual movement. As you can see, I talk with my hands, things along that line. Um, now is that uh, also if you have multiple people on video, like right now as part of this, there are three of us involved here. There's you, there's me, you know, there's Greg. We're all on video as we're doing this. As you get three, uh, five, 10, 15 people involved, what happens is particularly if they have slower internet speed is that it can totally destroy their bandwidth and they can't see or hear anything. Um, second of all, certainly that, uh, you know, whenever I'm given the choice to when I'm giving a webinar, and I give, uh, actually there's a webinar we give once a month, it's three days in length, is that I'll always want to be on video myself. Now, the downside of that for me is it keeps, I have to stay within this frame, uh, which means for me, I can't get up, I can't really stretch, I'm really sort of stuck here. 
But I've never been accused of being eye candy. But what happens is it's much more engaging for the people on the line to rather than just looking at a blank PowerPoint and a talking head. The next thing is regarding the, the screens themselves. You know how you hear about, oh, don't do death by PowerPoint? You know, if you're changing slides every 30 seconds or every minute doing training, uh, then, you know, it's just going by and by the slides. You want to do that when you're in uh, doing webinars. The reason is, is, you know, think about it now. Is Let's say that I'm watching you on a webinar. What, you know, I have two screens here. Guess what would be up on the other screen, if, you know, if, that you're, uh, if I'm listening to you? It's my email. So I'm going to see an email message come up, and what am I going to do? You know, at least for me, you know, uh, when it comes to email, I'm a little bit like, you know, a dog and a squirrel. You know, squirrel, squirrel. You know, so I want to go over there. So, you know, you're, what you're talking about is really, really important, saying you're the instructor, but I'll look over at the email, and I'll go, oh, wow, that's from my boss. And all of a sudden, I'll blink. It'll be 10 minutes later. Look at the content I would have lost. So when I'm using my PowerPoint slides, is every time the slide changes, or what I'll do is I'll continually write on the slide, you know, like the bullet points, I'll check them as I'm doing it, you know, using, you know, the mouse thing. Because um, every time I do that, whether it's me moving, which eventually they'll get used to, changing the slide, or I'll say, like, for example, what I talked about three slides ago, I'll go click, 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 and then I'll go click, click, click to come back to this slide, is every time a slide changes or there's motion on the slide, what it does is what humans do is they notice movement. So anytime I put even just a check mark next to a bullet point on a PowerPoint slide, what it does is it brings them back. You know, I'm over here and I see some type of movement going over on over to my left, it immediately brings me back. So what happens is, is that's another way to really keep people engaged. Another one is, is that uh, continually uh, asking people to, you know, mini polls. You know, the poll could be uh, something as simple as, uh, well, the Super Bowl's coming up. You know, uh, how many people think Team A is going to win? You know, how many people think Team B is going to win? You know, that kind of stuff. Anything that gets them to click to the screen. Uh, also is, is that, uh, you know, if you're doing a brainstorming or asking people questions, you need to call on them. You know, you can say sometimes, you know, like in a classroom, hey, you know, uh, anybody want to answer this? Or what you could do in a classroom, you could say, hey... How about you? You want to answer that one? You know, you can look at somebody and pretty much that's the visual cue for them to do it. But if I look like this, everybody's going to see it. So as a result, uh, one thing I like to do is what's called a lightning round. Where what I'll do is I'll say, all right, let's get everybody's thought on this. And I say, I'm just going to go by attendance from beginning to end. Now, because I said lightning round and they know what that is, everybody's going to make sure they'll pay attention. So I'll say, all right, just, uh, you know, everybody start typing in the chat box now if, uh, if you're doing it through chat. And then remember, I know who can come on um, via microphone because I did that at the beginning of the webinar. You know, I'll say, you know, Mo, Larry, Curly, Peter, Paul, Mary, et cetera, Simon, Garfunkel, and I, I could go on, but I won't. But, uh, but anyway, you get the idea that they know alphabetically when they're going to be and they can come on and give their answer. So what it does is that's yet another way to be able to get responses. So that there are many of these things that you have to consider even beyond these because it is a different medium is that what you've done in the classroom, which, you know, it won't necessarily work. That's why there are a lot of trainers oh, who don't like doing webinars. 
Now, I'll give you one last tip and then let it cut back to you. Is I said I like being in video because it keeps me in camera. That's not always the case. I do a lot of these for private corporations. They don't allow video streaming in because of the bandwidth or, you know, any one of a million reasons. If I'm not on video, then I give the webinar standing up. The reason is, is that uh, well, many trainers on the line will know that, you know, human communication is what they say, 7% by the words, uh, 38% based on the, the tone of voice, and 55% by the body language. Obviously, if I'm not on video, you can't get the body language. However, if I stand up and I'm using the same motions and as if, anyone who walks by my office and sees me giving a webinar when I'm not on camera, what they do is they walk by, they see me looking at my computer going like this you know, as if I was in front of a group of people. So what it does is I can convey body language through my tone of voice if, in fact, I'm using the appropriate body language associated with it. If you don't believe that, then what you should do, I'm just going to back up here for a minute, then next time you're, uh, you know, in your home, you know, put your feet up. Oh, you can't really see it. Here. You know, like, like you're sitting on the sofa, you're leaning back in your chair, you know, you're putting your knees up, trying to sound really excited about a topic. First of all, it's very hard to do because you have to pay attention to it because your mind is your mind and your energy is incongruent with the way that you're standing. So the whole body language thing. So like, for example, is, is that I'm sitting up straight, I'm leaving forward a little bit because when do people do that? They do it when they're excited about a topic. So therefore, is, is that for me to sound excited about my topic, and yes, this topic I'm very excited about, uh, is that part of it is just having the appropriate body language that will help facilitate me sounding like that. So you can hear my body language really through my tone of voice, again, if not on video. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Tortal Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit and franchise organizations. Tortal makes effective training easier. Just go to tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's tortal.net. T O R T A L. tortal.net. So, last question I have for you, Eric. I know we've talked about this and I've heard you talk about it a couple of different times. You mentioned productivity and being more productive. So I just want you to just dive into that a little bit. When you say product, productive and being more productive, more product, productive, that means something. I know you have some real uh, concrete thoughts on that. Just share what you mean uh, when you say being more productive inside your organization. Sure thing. You know, when people think of productivity, they think, things do, they think doing things cheaper, doing things faster. Well, what I'd like to do is just take a, a short moment and widen your view uh, of what productivity is. It's productivity is lots of things. In fact, the formula for it is basically output over input, which is really, if you think about it, that's effectively the same formula as return on investment. But when you think of increased productivity, certainly it could be doing something faster, uh, doing something cheaper. But what it could also be is freeing up resources, things that you needed five classrooms before, now you can do with three classrooms. What does that mean? You've freed up two classrooms to do other things. But it can also be, with the same amount of, of a level of effort, increasing quality, reducing risk, providing faster throughput. In other words, if you ask me to produce something for you, if normally it would take me three weeks, and now I can get it to you in two weeks, that is a form of productivity. You saw that actually huge in the uh, car industry. 
Whereas it used to take them you know, years to get a new product to market, but through CAD CAM, 3D manufacturing, other technology capabilities, they've dramatically shortened the amount of time to market for a product. That is the type of productivity. Another one is enhanced employee culture. If you do something that makes everybody happier, then makes them more motivated. You can't forget about that one. But also, it could be corporate growth. You know, like, for example, if you look at Uber, back and forth of whether that is a uh, sustainable or a disruptive technology, but what did it basically do? It increased the productivity related to connecting people who needed rides with those who had cars. And the way that it did it was effectively is it took out the middle person, the dispatcher. I don't have to call someone centrally at a taxi company to get that. So what does it do? It dramatically reduced the cost. It enhances the business model because then it can be rolled out. It's much more scalable because you don't need people in every city and buying medallions and all those other things. So, you know, whether, you know, Uber is a good thing or a bad thing depends if you're, you know, for a cab or whatnot. I won't get into any of that. I'm just on the technology itself. B, uh, Airbnb would be another example that actually was an option. Eric, thank you again. A lot of great information. Thanks for your time. Also want to thank our audience for joining us today. Thank you. Have a great day all. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.